for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Agile FM. Today, I have a guest uh, here with me. Uh, probably, I would say probably everybody in the Agile community knows. Uh, probably everybody has a, a book uh, in their hands. Uh, every facilitator has a book um, in their hands from Keith McCandless from the Liberating Structures is, is today with me. And we're going to talk about liberating structures in the book, but we're also going to talk about liberating structures beyond the book. But before we get started, welcome to the podcast, Keith. Uh, thanks, Joe. Excited to be here. That is awesome. Yeah, I have to say this book was written also by Henry Litmanovich. Uh, so it is co-authored uh, this book. Everybody knows the surprising power of liberating structures. Um, I think you guys have sold so many books. I think you're in direct competition with Harry Potter. Is that <laughs> you? I like your dreaminess, Joe. I, everybody, uh, book I, management. I, there are very few books. I mean, yeah, it's sold well. It has. Yeah. It has in a in an era when people. I'm not sure they read books anymore. But uh, yeah, it was 2014, and the reason I'm saying that is like everywhere. Uh, where I go, where I talk to people, not only the word liberating structures, everybody has an immediate uh, reaction to it, positive, obviously, uh, but also people actually have the, the book and, and they're using uh, the liberating structures. And obviously that was, the, that was the intent. So first and foremost, thank you for making these 33 patterns um, available to the community. Um, I think they really changed the way of uh, how people like Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, probably listening to uh, an episode here on Agile FM, but actually more than that, facilitators around the world in any kind of way or shape, doesn't have to be Agile, would really benefit from that. So uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Very good work. You're, you're welcome. And I love it that you use the word patterns because they're, they're simpler uh, than a process uh, and they're more fun than an icebreaker. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So, so what is that? Where do they even come from? Like, I think that's partly why they've spread a bit. Is they mm -hmm. uh, they're not cumbersome like a process, uh, but they're as much serious fun as you can have. Uh, so right. that, that was a hope we had. Mm -hmm. Although I, I've got to say, uh, the spread of the work. Uh, well, first and foremost, started with. Agile people, it really mm -hmm. did. Uh, first ones to catch on to it, and it keeps spreading. It keeps spreading, yeah. It keeps spreading. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised from the from the agile community that it started there really to to catch on, right? Because obviously autonomous teams and how do we get creative ideas out from teams? So it's. it's I think it's a great, great um, connection. I want to take you just for a a, a moment here to the time before 2014, before you guys released um, the book. Obviously you have been in this field of learning and education and facilitation for decades, right? Um, so how did this all, if you just wanna take uh, the listeners here through the journey of, you know, obviously we're holding a book in the hands, but why publishing it? And um, what, was the, what, was the, what was the trigger of saying like, let's, let's write about this and, uh, and more importantly, why 33? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, two things were going on. I was working in organizations uh, as a consultant, 
and trying to solve problems that weren't being solved. And they were kind of fundamental things. Seemingly, we hit limits to the way to the way everybody organized. Mm -hmm. And partly it was the relationship between the people doing the work, their mm -hmm. managers and their bosses and their executives. There's a fundamental limit. And so I had a variety of clients. And when I met Henry, we started to share clients and develop field work uh, to address really the limits of what current organizing theory and practice was. Right? And this was 20 years ago. So we did 10 years of work in the field before we published of testing these things, uh, trying to get them as simple, the minimum specified mm -hmm. uh, in each one that we could. And we really didn't know we were doing research for a book. The only reason there's a book is our clients told us you've got to, and kept telling us, you've got to write it. You've got to write it down. Yeah. And so there were a bunch of flimsy work uh, workbooks in different languages. We we're working uh, internationally. And so we had a flimsy workbook number one in Brazil, one of the places we started. And then that was Portuguese. And then there was a Spanish one. And then there was a French one. And uh, so the need, the clients asking for, like, write it down. And our whatever perfectionist tendencies we had, uh, we didn't like the quality of the stuff we were doing. We had to slowly get rid of all of the pieces that weren't uh, critical to making the structures work. And eventually that resulted in, uh, in us finding a good editor and yeah. um, neither of us are natural. I mean, we had to work on the writing part, uh, but it got yeah. published. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy about this. When I saw the, um, when I saw the book, um, obviously when it was published back then, there was this one moment I had and, uh, you know, take you down a, a story of mine quick, where I knew the book was extremely powerful because until the book was published, I used in my own trainings and working with clients, there, there was this one time, it's like, you know, where I moved groups from one flip chart to the next flip chart and they collaborated this way. Um, and it was always an interesting uh, activity of people were like, it took me a little time to explain it and then people got into it. But then the energy level in the room increased significantly every time I did this. And one time there was a group of executives and those executives, they were stunned. They were like, wow, what is happening? This is so engaging. And when I saw your book, it was the shift and share. I, you know, it had a name. And when I saw that, I was like, this is powerful. I need to know the other 32. <laughs> because i knew there was so much um power and so how did you guys decide on on those 33 how does that where you did it? i mean i could imagine at that time you could have said it could have been 34 could have been 35 why did you draw the line did you feel like this was enough of a catalog to say let's go live well um it represents the repertoire of our of our joint practice. Mm -hmm. So those were things that we regularly used and uh, were confident anybody could generate uh, surprisingly reliable results. Mm 
Yeah. So reliably, you're going to get delightful surprises like that group of leaders who are going like, where did this energy come from? Yeah. Well, well, that happens every time with every, each of those 33. There will be a, a, a surprising amount of momentum and insight and action generated. And so those were the ones we were confident about that addressed the concerns of I'm going to say mostly big organizations uh, that operated across borders. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we published, realized, oh, my, there's lots of other uh, domains and contexts in which people are operating that uh, <laughs> that could use the same approaches. But the limits to the repertoire and our decisions about it was what did we know how to do and what did we actually field test to the point where it could reliably surprise. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that was kind of the test. The other one, Joe, that uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier is. Is it close to being simple enough, mm -hmm. easy to learn that after one experience that maybe someone else led a. a a facilitator or an agile coach or a scrum master, if they let it once, could somebody in that group who never thought of themselves in that way as a facilitator could pick it up and use it in their local context, mm -hmm. right? So if it, that didn't, if that wasn't possible, it started to drop off the list yeah. of the repertoire. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's very powerful and, and it makes it so universally applicable, right? Because it is something that is not only something specific for financial uh, facilitation, let's say in a financial uh, sector or in a, something else. It's something for everyone, right? To be shared and across the board. Um, that's, uh, that is super insightful. The journey doesn't end there, right? After those 33, only because the book is published, the movement is continuing and i do want to say before we explore some of those techniques somebody who is possibly i cannot even imagine this but not uh, uh familiar with liberating structures gone are the days where people sit around the table and somebody flips powerpoint slides right <laughs> uh, so i think that is that is the idea behind it. it's like how can we survive in a um creative innovative world that changes frequently without sourcing the uh, the energy and the opinions from many people at the same time. So I think uh, what you guys are doing has a real price tag next to it for organizations. If only, if only, Joe, if only those presentations were were done with. If only everybody's intelligence was unleashed. Uh, if your own, and then you made it, everything you did unleashed everybody else's around you. If only that was true. Um, it's not my experience. And uh, so there's a lot more to do. Yeah. And I think uh, the pandemic uh, opened some doors for people, but also closed quite a few mm. uh, in regard to how open can we make this how flexible can we be about the future so that all of the worry about uh you know the stability of the organization can either close doors or open doors mm -hmm. and i've seen more extreme versions of both over the last few years uh, okay 
more openness to uh, including every voice and shaping what happens next. That's basically what liberating structures do. They make it practical mm -hmm. to literally include every voice in shaping uh, your next step. And uh, that scares the hell out of some people. And uh, uh, and it's new territory. So I'm, I know that we need to do it like you. I feel the passion for doing it now and everybody should be doing it. And why aren't they doing it? I feel that, but I also know it's a it's a transition that's going to take um, take a while, mm -hmm. a while longer than I want to wait. But uh, yeah. same with me. Yeah, what's interesting about the the leader example uh, from you know I mentioned earlier, I've noticed with the liberating structures is that leaders and executives they like the energy the liberating structures are producing, but they're not part of the activity itself, which is very often interesting, right? So they're more like bystanders or observers, or they, they you know, they, they support liberating structures, obviously, or not, you know, maybe not even know about them, right? And it's okay, great results the teams are producing with these techniques, uh, but they're not part of it. So I myself, like in a training environment, I do have the opportunity to bring them in through a training course, but I'm not sure how many you know, facilitations take place on, on a leadership. Now, I do have to say my view is agile. So maybe outside of the agile space, there is more of that. Um, but I that's that's one of the shortcomings I have seen that it hasn't really broken through the, to the entire organization. It's more limited to the teams. Is that something you, you observe as well? Uh, well, uh, I'm not always a, the nicest person. Um, usually I try, um, and I don't blame leaders for the situation, um, but they've gotten themselves the way organizing, uh, has been taught and learned, um, uh, they're busy people. They want things simplified. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm not nice, we will have just, and I often work with leadership groups. And the first step is always, let's get all the other people that we possibly can that usually are not in the strategic planning session. Let's say that's what it is. And we will have just mapped. I know this is audio, but I'm going to move my hands anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, map on the ecocycle, the whole portfolio of activities, and maybe even the relation, the strategic relationships, where are they in a birth, maturity, creative, you know, you got to end that relationship, creatively destroy it or, or nascent, you know, just gestating, not formed yet. We've got the whole thing up there. And uh, we may also have done a critical uncertainties where we look at the four surprisingly different futures. And then we look again at this portfolio and where all where we are strategically. And I will, I have never been in a situation where that wasn't very new information for okay. all the organizational leaders. For the okay. first time, they've seen where all their stuff is, and they see that the the future operating environments for the evolution or adaptability of those things. They haven't really thought about it. Yeah. How are we going to operate our portfolio in a future that's uh, not predictable? But, you know, uh, within a range, it's not predictable. 
And so because they've been isolated from all the work and where all the work is done, that's a confusing moment. And what I like to do is bring them all in front of the visual chart. You know, here's the eco-cycle and the, here's the critical uncertainties we face. And go, you knew that, right? And look in the eye and they'll kind of look to the side or look down. And, yeah. you know, we just all have a good laugh. Because yeah. that's, that's something that arises out of doing the work. And they've never had the opportunity to do the work because they haven't included everybody. And they don't know how. Yeah. As, and so for me, the perspective over time is we're learning how to include more voices mm. uh, to shape the future in a very volatile uh, environment. That's and uh, that's going to, you know, I wish we all knew how to do that already, but we're, we don't and we're learning how to do it. And uh I include myself in there. How do you do that in a way that it gets repeated by everybody uh, in the organization continuously mm -hmm. um, so that the goals and the strategies are being adapted? This must be an, uh, an interesting finding for you, like just based on your example, right? When you do work with a leadership team and in terms of trust, right? If somebody does not know that right and the technique eco cycle right brought this to surface and all of a sudden it's like this is like a vulnerable point for an, for a person to, or as a group right but each individual that it requires a lot of trust it's like i did not know that we did not know that as a group so on a leadership that shakes things up a little bit for for the group right it's like there's a lot of things we do not know and we would have gone down that path and you know, so that must be a very powerful moment to to be in for you as a facilitator. Well, I hope, you know, when you're a consultant, you're there for a while, you develop trust with the client. And um, I do my best uh, to be loving and provocative at the same time. Yeah. And that support for the leader, oh, uh, they need it. Uh, they need it. That's when they need it the most. And that it's just too easy to blame them for something that isn't happening. Uh, but structurally, because the attention to the way in which we work, the PowerPoint presentation, the I'm the boss, update me, tell me what I want to know about <laughs> what's happening. That doesn't work. Brainstorming. Let's get a few people who are smart and have them figured out. Those aren't or just open it up and have anybody, you know, uh, fight it out over what it should be. Those all uh, generate disappointing results. Mm -hmm. So until liberating structures are routine, routinely used. And the first people I've seen it make it sort of routine are uh, scrum masters, you know, yeah. in the, with their teams, they have some autonomy over their teams. They can put in regular practice some of the structures that make it possible to mm -hmm. at least some of the time uh, yeah. shape next steps with every voice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? And um, some of those 33 uh, patterns are, I would call them not in a, in a powerful way, but just in terms of executing them like a one, two, four, all right. Relatively brief, quick, but powerful technique. Uh, I use it all the time. Um, 
but some others like the EcoCycle or the open space, you know, conversation, these are longer, more elaborate in terms of time commitment, right? It's still the same powerful tool, right? It's interesting also that these liberating structures are tied together. They're not like a single thing, right? You can use them together. You can build like a strategy of facilitation depending on your needs. Um, so, so they define together. So it's for everybody who's, again, not familiar with this, uh, what these some of those techniques are time wise very brief like my shift and share too very brief right could be a brief technique uh but some are uh like open space could be three days right um yeah, the, good, yeah. the good news is that the 33 and the ones developed since we wrote the book uh share a dna uh so there's five design elements that are part of every one. So once you learn a few of them, <laughs> you understand a, a microstructure that distributes control to everybody, to the people closest to the work. So once you've, you have a handful in your personal repertoire, uh, the rest aren't that complicated. And even the most, like the ones you mentioned that take longer, um, EcoCycle, mm -hmm. if you've seen somebody use it, uh, it's pretty easy to copy what they've yeah. done. So I tell new users, uh, new people who are going to be introducing them, just know, don't get nervous, but the people you work with, they'll copy exactly what you do. Yeah. So yeah. don't screw up. You know, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, because that's what they know it's power. It's going to be powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be, you're going to get a new view. Let's say it's EcoCycle. You're going to get a fresh, dynamic view of where all of your activities, all of your, it could be your your products or your, you know, all of the software you're developing, uh, which which ones are, are already productive, which ones are just ideas gestating, what, which ones do you need to put an end to because they're stale and they're, yeah. uh, so know that it will be powerful and do your best when you try them um, to, to do a good job with them. And so I can say that and then say they're also forgiving, right? You read the book and started doing one, two, four, all probably, or you already did shift and share. Yeah. Now you had a little more detail maybe about something about how it could be done. Yeah. And uh, you just did it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I recommend once you have a few under your belt, one of the things I think we did added to the world was the, the microstructure. What is the structure of distributed control? What are the five design elements? And the fact that the whole repertoire shares it uh, makes them different than individual methods that you can tap, mm -hmm. uh, makes them a, uh, a, a repertoire, interrelated repertoire that helps you solve complex problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that um, the time to the release of the book, there was like this 10 year roughly time period where you guys, you know, filtered the material, selected and defined and, and most importantly wrote about it. Now, since the release, there's another 10 year period right now, almost, right? Uh, we're looking at a similar time period, and you already mentioned there are some liberating structures that came after the book was published. So they are currently in the 
application and the want to call it testing. I don't know what kind of terms you guys are using, but basically in the field uh, and being um, applied. And basically, some of them will make the uh, the next book, the website, whatever is in the in the making. Uh, two things that stood out is that one of them is Matt T, right? I think that was yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so just to give the listeners here like a little bit of sense, this is one that is, goes beyond the 33. Uh, that is already some, they are field tested right now. Uh, there's people that can in, engage with you in a Slack community, um, submit their own liberating structures. I myself will probably submit something to you guys. I have an idea. Um, and there is the uh, um, strategy not working and not with a K and OT. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe this one. I think it relates to Scrum Masters, and we just mentioned how Scrum Masters relate very well to the um, liberating structure. So this might be a really uh, good one beyond the book. Tell us a little bit about the strategy not working and how could this be useful for Scrum Masters and Agile coaches? Yeah, so in this 10-year period in between, um, one thing, one liberating structure that really appealed uh, to Scrum Masters was called uh, uh, purpose to um, purpose to practice. And there's five elements and it's very much related to any project. So for, uh, for me, uh, if I have people proposing things to do that are projects, I need them to answer the five questions in purpose to practice. So that's purpose, principles, participants, uh, structure, and then what are you going to do? Practice. And if they can articulate that, okay, you've thought it through. That's good. That's mm -hmm. perfect for a project. Uh, but one of the limits was, okay, well, what about how all the projects fit together? What about the larger strategic context in which you're operating, um, which is bigger than? And so mm -hmm. strategy not working includes it's kind of like a purpose to practice where different liberating structures are uh, tapped it also starts with purpose but immediately goes to principles like what are all the things we've learned from practice that we must never do again or always do mm -hmm. and then there's a, a another second section that's different about wicked questions what's the impossible truths what, are, what two things are so true about the complex situation we face uh, that are undeniable, but we have to address both of them to make progress? Like, how can we be an integrated organization and have autonomy in each part? How can mm -hmm. we be a whole and a part that's both integrated and autonomous? Ooh, wow. And any strategy that you can get autonomy and... <laughs> Uh, integrated integration that's a really that's a strategy is is well worth it and so the strategy not working is in a more elaborate uh detailed way of formulating strategy beyond projects mm. and that became clear uh in the 10-year period in between um and so far we've been doing in LS Slack and we've been doing prototyping, uh, different people in very different domains have been trying it out. Uh, and there's some real challenging 
challenges to making that simple enough. Uh, so it hasn't, it's progressed. A lot of people are using it now, yeah. but uh, it's not close to being in the repertoire in okay. the next book. Uh, yeah. But it's well, it's worth worth it. But it doesn't fit my my uh, the need for easily copied by a new user. Yeah, but there are others in 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 the field right now as well. So this is not only one, right? So there are several things going on right now. So we yes. back you're back in the selection process, like which one would make a good candidate for um, for the next uh, for the next book, I think you said, which was kind of a reveal. <laughs> no, I'm not promising a next book. As an author, um, I think yeah. you know that you don't want to make promises because books yeah. are hard. Uh, books are hard. Um, how did, because your book release was 2014 before the pandemic, um, and obviously that was not something you guys could have foreseen um, that that was coming in 2000, when was it, 1920? 19, yeah. yeah. And uh, how did that change the liberating structures, like movement or your view on the liberating structures? Because, I mean, there were lots of facilitators and trainers who were looking at this. It's like, well, usually I would do a one, two for all in my training right now, but now how do I do this online? Or how do I work with a glass that's distributed and remote and, and creativity sparked everywhere left and right, which is great. Uh, but how do you feel about that? And, and what were the insights like very specific to the pandemic and the impact on the liberating structures? Well, uh, I'm going to mention two things. Um, one is the very first work when Henry and I felt we needed to prove liberating structures were productive was on superbugs in hospitals. I don't know if you know that, but we, we uh, really hard problem. Uh, the answers needed to come in a distributed way from everyone. Uh, there, was, there were not single answers. We knew a few things that were effective, but Really, you had to include every voice to solve the problem. And we we're able to do great things. So the pandemic, first of all, was, oh, my, liberating structures are a great fit. Uh, we, we need distributed solutions. And um, didn't really get them for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. Uh, so that was hard. But the within a month, I'd say, on primarily on Slack, but the global liberating structures community who are agile folks, but uh, academic, you name it. I mean, everybody was in there. Um, the entire repertoire was converted to online, functional online, so, you know, things that could work that were not face-to-face -face that were great. Uh, mostly Zoom, but multiple platforms. Everybody was trying things and sharing their information and and so for me, it was breathtaking to see what a, a large, diverse community with loose connections to one another, very yeah. loose, could uh, instantly adapt the whole repertoire. I mean, 98% of the repertoire got adapted. And then the other big change with the pandemic, um, because it was online all of a sudden, accessibility, like, okay, you're talking about including every voice. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot more voices could show up and a lot more attention to accessibility via uh, online platforms got refined. Well, what do you mean? What if people can't hear? What if they can't see? What if all of these things uh, deepened 
Mm -hmm. uh, the degree to which uh, liberating structures uh, could include all or at least many more voices in shaping what happens next. So that was, it opened new communities and it opened the depth of what uh, including all voices means for me. Yeah. Uh, at the same time in the US, you, you're in the US, like social mm -hmm. justice became pretty big deal. So people who have for generations been excluded were showing up. Um, we could reach them, yeah. they could reach us more easily. Yeah. So it's a frothy, exciting mix, Joe, yes. uh, yeah. of things that happened. And I'm just touching on a couple. Um, and the, probably the last thing is the lo losses associated with the pandemic. What did you lose yeah. as a result of the pandemic? And so quite a bit more sensitivity to uh, uh, attention to and sensitivity to what has been lost and how people can show up when they're experiencing some amount of grief or, or going through a transition. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that and get the work? How do you attend to people's basic needs and uh, get some things done? Yeah. So well, that's a, a huge a set yeah. of uh, insights associated with that. So that's more than an more. It was a good question. So I gave you a rambling answer. Yeah. Um, Surprising power, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I think I'm the first one surprised every time. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, but yeah, good. Well, so so the the thing is, I the reason I was asking, like in in the book, there's a lot of photography from like actual events examples or on the website liberating structures you see an actual photograph of the the, the liberating structure in action um and and they are in person right so and you see you, even on the photos you get the energy and and sometimes uh there is not a direct translation but a work around or it might work or with a different tool and the creativity that came out of the community as you said is is obviously fantastic uh to you know, to to take the book and say like, hey, this works in person, but now we have ways of doing this online. Uh, this is really, uh, that was really a very good conversation here, uh, Keith. I really, really loved uh, talking about liberating structures with you. I'm thankful you took the time. Um, we talked a little bit about the past. We talked a little bit about the book. And most importantly, we talked a little bit about the future uh, of what's happening next. People can get in touch with you through liberatingstructures.com. Uh, if they want to submit or go to that Slack channel and, you know, we, we talked about. And um, yeah, I just, I think everybody is hungry for part two um, and uh, there's more to come. And uh, I think, you know, the community can take more, no worries. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, I'm waiting, I'm putting on my schedule. When, when will Joe send his idea for the new liberating structure? <laughs> yeah. soon, <laughs> no, no, soon yeah. yeah yeah no it's a it's an open invitation for submitting ideas i did not know um so i will take advantage of that and, and share something and uh, and see if it's if it's something that is applicable to a broader domain yeah good thank you yeah and i appreciate the invitation to join you on the convo um yeah, delightful, and uh, it's nice to get to know you better. 
Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Show Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.